This episode of Roadie Radio is brought to you by your local library's Library of Things. Did you know that your library has more than just books and movies? Libraries across Rhode Island lend out all sorts of unconventional items. You can borrow fishing gear, ukuleles, tools, games and puzzles, telescopes, and more. Whether you want to try a new hobby or keep the kids occupied, Ocean State Libraries have what you need. Contact your local library to find out what's in their library of things. You're listening to Roadie Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. I'm your host, Emily Goodman, editorial board member for Roadie Radio and adult services coordinator for the Office of Library and Information Services. Today's episode is dedicated to mystery readers around the state. Woonsocket Harris Public Library's teen librarian Ed Fuquay and special guest Michaela sit down to discuss Rex Stout's famous armchair detective character, Nero Wolf. Whether you have read every Nero Wolf tale or the only detective you know is Sherlock Holmes, you're sure to learn a thing or two. Ed and Michaela take a deep dive into the history, execution, and portrayal of Wolf through the years, filled with admiration that avid readers will instantly recognize and appreciate. Enjoy this segment of Book Talking with the Woonsocket Harris Public Library. Hello, I'm Ed Fuquay, young adult librarian extraordinaire here at Woonsocket Harris Public Library. And I'm Michaela, human being here at Woonsocket Harris Public Library. We're doing another book talking, and this week we're talking about Rex Stout and his creation, Nero Wolf. Nero Wolf. Yes, the ah. big detective. Yes, the big man. <laughs> He's the big man. Absolutely. This was recommended by my wife. She and I are both mm. huge Nero Wolf fans. There are 33 Nero Wolf novels, and I read each of them at least once. <sighs> yes. Some of them more than once. Oh, and a ton of novellas. So many novellas and yes. short stories. Novellas and short stories. Yeah, he did tons of them. Um, he Rexed Out is not as popular as he used to be, and I'm not mm. sure why. I don't know. Even like going back and um I you know, I read a couple and I listened to a lot of the ones that were adapted for radio. So yeah. the radio novellas, I yeah. love them so much. Um yeah, no, I was I was just enjoying them so much, and I was like, "Wow, why did I not know more about Nero Wolf?" He has Nero an amazing <laughs> ear for dialogue. His stories are all character driven. Yes, not plot driven. The murders are never complicated contrivances. You have to figure out. It's no, all it's people. it's like some minor like yeah. oh yeah. Uh, yes, he puzzled over this for about five minutes yeah. over a beer, came up with the answer, called yeah. up the detective. It's not the big affair that the uh, that like the Christie or you know a Sherlock Holmes mystery he, he does. Nero Wolf, the detective, does have a theatrical flair. Oh yes, he does. <laughs> He's way over the top. Uh, what, what a diva! Um, so he always tries to gather together the suspects in his yes. office to reveal who the killer is. Um, uh, in his day, Rex Stout was extremely popular. He mm -hmm. sold over 100 million copies of his books. Props um, to him. Nero Wolf appeared in movies, television shows, radio shows, uh, comic books. Um, the recent uh, A&E series, not recent now, but it was recently when it came out, mm -hmm. uh, starring Murray Chaikin and Timothy Hutton as Wolf and Archie, um, was very well done. Uh, mm -hmm. Stout won the Grand Master Award from the Mystery Writers of America. He was also very active on radio. Uh, he appeared as a radio commentator, yeah. a pundit, speaking on various topics. So he became sort of a household word, household name. He was a personality. He, he was, was a personality. Yeah. When uh, the book Too Many Cooks came out, mm -hmm. 
they actually had a nationwide tour in which Rex Stout would go on the road in various cities, including he had a full stage show, including a line of chorus girls. Oh, that's awesome. Literally. It was amazing. Um, the people who printed uh, Too Many Cooks also included a uh, special volume that had the 35 recipes from the book that was printed in a limited edition. Today, those are like worth their weight in gold. But I'm thinking, like, you know, John Grisham, James Patterson, yeah. they don't get nationwide tours with dancing girls. Yeah, no, they don't get dancing go yeah. girls or cookbooks. They don't, neither. <laughs> that is how popular Stout was in his day. Um, his backstory he doesn't have quite as exciting a life as um, mm -hmm. Agatha Christie did. Uh, he was very highly intelligent. He was good with numbers and with words. Mm -hmm. uh, he invented an accounting system for schools for, for children to keep track of their money. Um, which was successful enough he was able to actually retire when he was like 20. That's awesome. However, he lost all of it in the Great Depression. Oh, he lost everything. Not awesome. So he'd been trying to write the great American novel. He'd written two or three things that didn't sell very well. Mm -hmm. So now he was forced to actually write for a living, which was tough in the Depression. Yeah. It was the heart of the 1930s. Uh, like so many writers, he turned to the pulps, which paid a penny a word. Yes. You had to churn out a lot of material yeah. uh, to survive in the pulps. And he did his best. He wrote for like almost every genre yeah. of the pulps. Um, there's a story I read, and I don't like to repeat the story too often because I can't verify it. I can only find one source for it. Now, supposedly, uh, Stott was picking up um, a check mm -hmm. for one of his short stories that he had sold. And in the office at the same time happened to be Edgar Rice Burroughs, who was picking up a substantially larger check for a Tarzan story he had recently yeah. sold. And after Burroughs left, Stout said to the editor, that guy's a terrible writer. How come he's making so much more than me? And the editor explained that um, Edgar Rice Burroughs created Tarzan. He can pop out a Tarzan book every year for the rest of his life yeah. and live very comfortably. If you create a character people love, they'll come back and read it again and again. That's all you have to do. And Stout pondered that for a while. <laughs> create a character people love. And he eventually succeeded. He invented not one but two absolutely brilliant detectives, mm -hmm. stuck them together in a brownstone in New York, and wrote a whole series of mysteries. Um, Wolf is one of the most uh, unusual neurotic detectives. Oh, yeah. He's all over the he place. He makes the parole look perfectly normal. <laughs> yeah. He's... um. He gives me very strong, like, Winston Churchill vibes. Mm -hmm. He's just this big man. He likes his, you know, rich food, and he loves his beer. Yeah. And he says some, like, what what we would call today savage, just absolutely savage he can be, things. He can be incredibly rude to people. Insanely rude, um, but you just love it. You love every second of it. And yeah. he's usually, you know, being horrendously savage and rude to like people uh, characters that you don't love that much or he's got a yeah. good rapport with so it's just like oh they're he, friends um, that's how they talk to each other <laughs> yeah he's I, when one of the mysteries when he finally reveals who the killer is and mm -hmm. the person is like trying to explain why it happened and Will says you disgust me get out of my sight <laughs> I love him uh, yeah, Wolf is overweight. We call him big. He's not just impressive. Yeah, I, I think they, the uh, Rex had said in one interview that he was between 340 and 390 pounds. Yeah. Which 
is impressive. And in all of all of the he doesn't like to leave the brownstone. Yes, he's agoraphobic. <laughs> doesn't like to leave the brownstone. He preferred not to get out of his chair. He has a specially designed chair made just for him. Yeah. Is the only chair in the world that he is comfortable in. Yeah, he's like, why would I ever leave my house with exactly. my chair made just for me? Um, and all of the legwork is done by his assistant. And all the legwork is done by his assistant, <laughs> Archie. Archie Goodwin. I love Archie so yes. much. The stories are narrated by Archie, but he's not a Dr. Watson. No, he's he not. He plays a really super active role in the story. He is a very good detective in his own right. Um, so Nero Wolf, he's overweight, agoraphobic. He's full of phobias. Um, he's afraid of cars. He's yep. apparently afraid if he steps out on the sidewalk, a car will leap off the curb and run him down. Uh, so he tries to never leave his house. He makes a policy of never leaving his house on business. He does leave if there's yeah. a personal reason to do so, but never on business. Um, uh, his clients or suspects, no matter mm -hmm. who they are, no matter how rich they are, mm -hmm. the Secretary of State one time mm -hmm. has to come to Wolf's house to to receive yeah. his questioning. He doesn't go to them ever, no matter who they are. He loves gourmet food. Yes. Uh, He's got it. Well, the only people he has in his, in his house are his assistant, Archie, yep. uh, his cook, and uh, his yep. orchidist. It's his cook and Theodore, who runs the orchid room. He loves flowers, orchids. He has yes. his own like hothouse on the roof of his brownstone. They said it, there's 10,000 orchids in the, yeah. in the greenhouse in the brownstone. <laughs> yeah. He has an extremely strict schedule that he tries never to break. Mm -hmm. From nine and eleven in the morning, and from four to six in the evening, he's with the or he's with the orchids and Theodore up yes. in the greenhouse. And it doesn't matter what is going on. Inspector Kramer is pounding at the door with a warrant for Wolf's arrest. He doesn't care. He's dealing with his orchids. You know my schedule. Come back when it's yeah, not orchid. You know my schedule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come back Come when back. it's not yeah. orchid time. The dead yeah. body will still be dead in ten minutes. It's fine. Yes. Uh, to him, food is sacred. Yes. It is such an important thing. He never discusses business at a meal either. Mm -hmm. No matter how important something is, all conversation stops about business while they mm -hmm. eat, which really frustrates when he has guests at the house. He thinks that guests are another sacred yeah. thing. One of my favorite quotes, a guest is a jewel on a cushion of hospitality. Oh, Nero. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, he very much believes that. Um, he also won't eat with the suspect he thinks might actually be the killer. Mm -hmm. So if he ever sits down and dines with anyone, then you can pretty much guess Wolf has eliminated them as a suspect. Um, uh, one of my favorite scenes was some golden spiders, where mm -hmm. a young boy comes in to hire Nero Wolf. Um, and Wolf kind of indulges him, mostly the needle yeah. Archie, and then, uh, you know, dismisses him. Uh, but the next day, the boy is run over by a car. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a hit and run, but of course, Wolf knows better. The boy really did know something. He knew too much. And, and Wolf's response is, that boy has eaten at my table. And I got just chilled on yeah. my spine because somewhere in the world, somebody's in so much trouble oh, now. Yeah. Things that drive him are food, drink, and vengeance. Yeah. I think the only time he's actually ever left the brownstone, uh, on business is the one time that one of his like long lost friends had been murdered yeah. and he leaves he leaves oh, yes. he goes across Michael the continent yeah. yeah he goes out he does physically demanding things he, he actually, hikes up mountains he goes back to montenegro yeah. where he was born which now mm -hmm. is a communist country in this in that time mm -hmm. period and um yeah and recreates the, the days of his youth to avenge when his yeah. best friend is murdered um very heavy slow moving avenging angel but yes. he does solve it in the end he well, does come through powered by food drink and vengeance i'm Ab telling you food drink and vengeance <laughs> absolutely um is so much about wolf that i really really love um 
he likes gourmet food, mm-hmm. but he likes any food that is made well. Mm-hmm. And uh, for instance, in one of the, in one of them, he's exhibiting his orchids at um, a uh, state fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he's there, he goes into a tent run by a Methodist church as a fundraiser, mm-hmm. and he gets their fried chicken, which he thinks is superb. He loves the fried chicken so much, he goes into the tent to personally thank the chef who jots down his recipe for it. And several other times in the series, he will bring up this fried chicken. At one point, he has uh, someone at his house who has previously proclaimed that America never produced any high-quality food and serves him this fried chicken. Uh, which he refers to as chicken a la Methodist. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he uh, is uh, He is amazing. He loves money. Yes. He spends a lot of money, therefore he needs a lot of money. Oh, he, chever- he charges the ever-living-ness out of all of his clients. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there's one great one. I think it was uh, the case of the missing daughter yeah. where, um, you know, the... The client is, uh, this is, he's trying to solve a murder that has not yet occurred. Yeah. This girl comes out of nowhere and claims to be this long lost daughter of this yep. millionaire. Yeah. Um, and of course, you've got the millionaire, the millionaire's son, uh, this girl proclaiming to be uh, his daughter. So he's like, I feel like I'm going to get murdered either by my son. So, uh, you know, I'll die before the will gets changed or this girl who's claiming to be my daughter is going to kill me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they want to get to know the girl better. So he, he tells Archie, go take the girl out. And Archie goes, <laughs> on my salary? Yeah. And he goes, oh, don't worry. The big man's paying for it. Take her to the nicest club in town. Yeah, It's part yeah. of the investigation. It's fine. Order yeah. something nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. He will soak his clients for an enormous amount of money. He does take things pro bono. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy who dies in Golden Spiders pays him $4.85. Mm-hmm. And he later turns down a, a, a very large paycheck for someone who wants him to steer the investigation in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Because the four dollars eighty-five cents means much more to him than the check he could get from yeah. the other guy. Um, one of my favorite stunts. I said he's very theatrical. Uh, in the silent speaker, mm-hmm. a government official is making a is about to make a speech to a group of the top industrialists in the country. Mm-hmm. However, he's murdered before he can talk to them. And so these incredibly rich, powerful people, you know, yeah. are involved in this murder. And Wolf reads about it in the paper. And it took place just across town in a posh hotel. Yeah. And he's like, you know, the sum accumulation of wealth in that room was over a billion dollars, Archie. And yet they have not hired me to solve this murder. He finds that intolerable that they're not paying him money to solve a murder. So he sends Archie out to investigate the scene of the crime. Yeah. Archie, what am I looking for? It doesn't matter. Investigate. And then he also contacts the FBI to inform them that he'll be sending yeah. someone to investigate and so forth. He contacts the police homicide department to find out what they know. And so word gets around, oh, Nero Wolf is looking into this. So three of the industrialists come to demand to know who he's working for. And he says, well, I cannot tell you, gentlemen. And so because they're terrified one of their enemies has hired Wolf to pin the crime on them, they hire him for an enormous (laughs) amount of money to protect them. All the while, of course, Wolf has no client. He's just soaking them for money. Excellent. They are millionaires, of course. They can afford it. Um the clients who really get taken to the cleaners are the ones from The League of Frightened Men, mm-hmm. which is one of his best. It's his second Nero Wolf book. Don't read Ferdinand's the first one. It's not very yeah. good. It's yeah. just not. It it was hard to get through. I find the later stuff was just so much he more fast much moving. And Once he figured out his He formula, got the groove. He got the flow. Yeah. League of Frightened Men, he does kind of a reverse murder on the Orient mm-hmm. Express. 
Yeah. Like halfway through the book, I began to guess what was going on. That no, no mystery writer would do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he goes there. Yeah, totally. Um, he uh, loves big words. Mm -hmm. He tries to drop as many big words as possible. And Stout was always searching the dictionary, trying to find words for Wolf to use appropriately. He doesn't force words into the conversation. At one point when he and Archie are fighting, because they fight yeah. a lot. Yeah, they do. Well, they're best yeah. friends. So, of course, they're well, constantly... Yeah, people accuse Holmes and Watson of being like a bickering couple, but Wolf no. and Archie are a bickering couple. They, they are. They Their arguments are, are legendary. It's the best things about it. And one of them, Archie starts to lose his temper, and Wolf says, are you feeling rancor? And he says, if I knew what that meant, I'd be feeling it. <laughs> um, he mostly doesn't like women. He's uncomfortable around them. Which is great because Archie is all about the ladies. Archie is the ladies' man. Oh, my God. Every single woman he encounters, there's just a paragraph of him describing yeah, the describing most obvious her, yeah, features yeah. about this woman and how gorgeous she is and just skin like magnolias. Yeah. And <laughs> um, It's amazing. Archie, we haven't even mentioned him yet. He's the narrator of the story. Yeah. He is a fast-talking, wise-cracking American oh, private eye. Sassy. So oh, he has sassy. a he has a comeback for everybody. Everything they at one point uh, in the same one that I was talking about earlier, just because it's fresh on my mind. Um, in the case of the missing daughter, they say, "Well, Archie, don't you think ten million dollars uh, is quite the bit of a, t a bit of temptation for an ambitious woman?" He's like, "Well, I think so, even though I'm not ambitious and I'm certainly not a woman." It's <laughs> <laughs> just it's wonderful. I love Archie. I just love him. He has the quickest, snappiest response for everything to yeah. the point where you know he's. He's a made-up character because no one is yeah, that quick no with it. No one is that sharp. No one. Yeah. Um, what I love about his relationship with women is that he tends to love all women. Mm -hmm. He'll describe a 60-year-old woman in the same glowing terms yes, he as does. he does a 20-year-old. Yes, he does. I mean, he likes women with long legs. You know, he likes a woman who, woman who can dance. But really, he's not that picky. <laughs> no, he's just a ladies' man. He doesn't discriminate. He generally loves women. Mm -hmm. Um uh, yeah. Uh, in one of the cases, uh, their client was African American, mm -hmm. and the, some of the, one of the women he had to corral into being interviewed by Wolf was a black mm -hmm. woman. And he describes her in the exact same glowing terms as anybody else they encounter in the story. This is one that he wrote in like the 1950s. Oh, well, there's tons of cases of, you know, especially for that time period, Rex Stout being very progressive and very, he was, very, civil like, rights was very important. Yes. To um, there, well, for instance, Nero Wolf, he is an immigrant. There is yeah. one uh, paragraph, I think it was uh, the 4th of July one. I'm blanking on the title. I think it was the picnic at the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, and he, Nero Wolf goes on this, you know, not tangent, but has this little speech about, I am an immigrant, and the only reason I am here in this country is because of Americans like you, black and white, who have accepted yeah. me into this country, and I hope your brotherhood of Americans keeps accepting people like me. And it's wonderful yeah. to see positivity about immigration as well as civil rights in a yeah. in something that was written back in the in the fifties yeah. and the forties and the even some of the earlier ones oh, I yeah. think were like late thirties, late thirty nine. Yeah, in Too Many Cooks was about a gathering mm -hmm. of the finest chefs in the world for this fabulous gourmet dinner, which naturally ends in murder, yeah. much to Wolf's chagrin. Um, he actually leaves the house to attend this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a murder to be solved, but he mostly wants a recipe for a sausage minoué, yeah. which is much more important than solving the murder. Of course. However, uh, the racist sheriff, because it's in West Virginia, really wants to pin the murder in one of the black busboys, yeah. which would be really easy for him to do. But Wolf right away knows that that's not yeah. the case and does not hesitate to put the sheriff in his place. Yeah. Um, 
In fact, they are the key to solving the mystery. And again, not to give it no mm -hmm. spoilers, but um, yeah, Wolf can be lazy and yeah. Archie has to goad him into solving murders. He wants to solve murders. He has yeah. this keen sense of justice. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories is Some Buried Caesar, where he mm -hmm. goes, this is the one with the fried chicken, where he goes yeah. to the state fair. And uh, at one point, he he's nervous by all the people around him. So he steps into a, a paddock that's yeah. filled with straw. And he looks down and there's a dead body half buried under the straw. And Archie says, Wolf, he says, I see it. Back out slowly, Archie. And before they can leave, someone sees the body and screams and points. It is sighs. So, so, of course, the sheriff yeah. shows up. And, of course, the sheriff wants them held as a material witness. He has his brownstone waiting back in you know, New York with his, with his comfy chair. And instead, he's stuck in upstate New York trying to help this yokel solve a murder. How dare this person get murdered, I tell you. Yeah. Um, However, some buried Caesar also introduces um, one of my favorite recurring characters, Lily Rowan. Did you mm -hmm. read any stories with Lily Rowan? I, in it? I, a couple. I, I have yeah. heard a couple with Lily. She's amazing. She's mm -hmm. one of the most like her relationship with Archie is just. It's one of the first like a really sensual, non-monogamous relationships mm -hmm. I've ever seen. They have a totally open relationship. They both see other people. Archie says, "I never ask her what she does in her spare time. She never asked me." Mm -hmm. um, it they meet works. in some buried Caesar, and she's one of the few women who gradually earns Wolf's respect. Mm -hmm. In that one, Wolf is pulling off one of his typically theatrical stunts to trap a killer, but the stunt starts to go awry when it doesn't go the way Wolf planned, and Lily Rowan steps in and immediately ad-libs and saves everything from going pear-shaped. And he really respects her for that. Quick-witted, yep. you know. In fact, in a really hysterical one where Wolf goes undercover, if you can believe that, Wolf actually goes undercover at one point and pretends not to be near a wolf. And in that, Lily Rowan becomes his eyes and ears temporarily by posing as his girlfriend. At one point, she sits in his lap and actually kisses him on the cheek to, you yeah. know, you gotta sell, sell it. To you sell got, the story. You gotta yeah. sell it. He later apologized for putting her through that. She said, don't be silly. I'm the only woman in New York who can say that she's kissed near a wolf. True. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, she's a great character. Um, the series is full of great characters. Yes. Um, so much of it is set in the brownstone that every room in the house becomes as familiar as 221B Baker mm -hmm. Street. You know, the red leather chair that Inspector Kramer always sits in. Um, you know, Archie's chair that's off yeah. to one side so you can observe things and take notes. Although Archie doesn't really take notes because he has a perfect memory. Yeah. He can reproduce conversations from memory, including vocal intonations. He can actually reproduce mm -hmm. an entire conversation for Wolf. When Archie comes back and interviewing someone, he says, do you want the whole bag or just the highlights? <laughs> and Wolf will either say everything or just the highlights. And if he says just the highlights, Archie will pick and choose. If he says everything, Archie will literally go through every single word that was spoken in the conversation. <laughs> and pauses. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget he, the pauses. Very important. He does that flawlessly, of course. And then Wolf absolutely depends yeah. on that. Um, despite being a brilliant detective, Archie is never a step ahead of Nero Wolf. Yeah. At some point in the story, Wolf will like lean back in that big chair of his and fold his arms over his massive chest and close his eyes and start to like purse his lips. And then you know he's thinking, he's cogitating, he's thinking about something. He's putting it all together. He's putting it all together. By the time he opens his eyes again, his eyes will snap open. He'll start issuing orders to yeah. people. Um, because it amuses him to annoy Archie, um, he will hire uh, Saul Panzer, mm -hmm. who's a private eye who works um, as an extra man when Wolf, mm -hmm. Wolf needs him. He'll hire Saul to go run an errand. And Saul will know who the killer is because he'll know where Wolf is directing him. But neither one of them tells Archie. 
Archie has kept it in the dark until the last minute. This is probably a device so Archie doesn't tell the reader because we're inside of his head. Yeah. It's probably just because Wolf so enjoys annoying yeah. Archie. And Archie will get back at him in any way that he can. Um, yeah, Saul Panzer is like the best operative in New York. Yeah. Uh, even um, Archie admits he's very, very good at his job. He's just one of the fascinating characters who wanders in and out of the house because the stories are character-driven. It's also humorous that the psychology of the characters, figuring out why people do what they do, is so important. But Rex Stout despises psychiatrists. Yes. If a psychiatrist ever showed up in a story, they're always either completely wrong about their theories or they're the killer. Yeah. She hated they're them. moronic or they're just yeah. the killer. They're evil or stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no two ways about it. Um, Wolf was so popular. Um, you know I love my like spin-offs and, yeah. and sequels and things like that. I have a collection of Wolf stories from our library, yes. seven full-length mysteries. I also have Rasputin's Revenge, which is the second Augusta Lupa book um, by John Lescroft. Mm. And why is that here, you may ask? Uh, the first one was called Son of Holmes, dealing with the illegitimate child of Sherlock Holmes and Irene Adler who is raised, oddly enough, in Montenegro. Montenegro? Yeah, where he becomes a gourmet chef and an orchid fancier, and he's swept up in, in the Freedom Fighters movement and joins, becomes a spy in the First World War. Um, and the second one, he's sent to uh, Russia to take on Rasputin in the court of the Tsar. Um, and it's pretty obviously Augusta Lupa is Nero Wolf yeah. as a young man, because we know that he was a dashing young man. He still has that streak of romanticism in him. But the harsh realities of the First World War kind of drove that out of yeah, him. Yeah, I was reading, like, early life of Nero Wolf. Like, the, you know very little about him. It's, he's yeah. a man shrouded in mystery. Um, but one of the, I don't know, remember if it was a theory or something that Rex Stout had said in an interview because it was just, oh, my goodness, bombarded with so much Nero Wolf information. Yeah. He was uh, called up to be a spy by the Austrians in the First World War. And after seeing what or what they were doing, he yeah. recall like he took himself out of that situation and went and joined the Montenegrin army. Yeah, um, and was like, no, no, not for them, yeah. not not for them at all. Uh, so yeah, no, that's definitely yeah, that's that's him. <laughs> that is absolutely, that's him. Um, so William S. Baron Gold wrote a biography of Nero Wolf called Nero Wolf of West Thirty Fifth Street, which yeah. he creates an imaginary background form, filling in what Stout didn't. Uh, there's actually a book called The Brownstone of Nero Wolf, which is in the downtown yeah. Providence Library, which is literally a book about the house. Every single thing that Rex Stout said about the house, including drawing floor plans and everything, yeah. it's, it's absolutely fascinating. There's a Nero Wolf cookbook based on his recipes. Yeah. And currently someone is doing a blog where he tries to recreate the recipes as Fritz describes them in the book. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, a society known as the Wolf Pack that meets annually for a gourmet dinner, and they put out two collections of essays about, about Wolf and Archie. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. My favorite Nero Wolf quotes. One of them, like, Inspector Kramer is the police officer who is always a step behind Wolf. They have an antagonistic relationship. They both respect each other a lot, yeah. but also really kind of hate each other because they're always stepping on each other's toes. At one point, when Wolf drops something... Uh, you know, and, and Kramer says, oh, why have you known that? And Wolf says, well, since the beginning, of course. And he explains, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, and so Kramer explodes and threatens to arrest him for withholding evidence. And he says, don't be silly. If I see something and the police do not, that does not mean I am withholding evidence. I love him. <laughs> My second favorite Nero Wolf quote 
And this should be in like every mystery book. Um, I mean, he's working for a really rich guy. The guy, he's also a politician. He, he tells Wolf, I hope you'll be, you know, delicate about this yeah. investigation. He says, oh, on the contrary, sir, I, I can only promise the exact opposite. There is nothing more intrusive than a murder investigation. Whatever you're yeah. attempting to cover up will undoubtedly be brought to light. <laughs> Good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no stopping Wolf once he gets on the case. Does it doesn't matter what it takes. Um, so one thing I noticed doing research for this, a couple of things I mm-hmm. discovered. Uh, Rex Stout was the writer that other writers admired. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he's more popular among his fellow writers, I think, than he is the general public. Um, other writers respected his plotting, his yeah. characters, his snappy dialogue, including writers you might not expect. Um Ross MacDonald, who created a whole series of Lou Archer yeah. mysteries, um, said that um, Stout perfectly blended the armchair mystery with the hard-boiled detective in a way that mm-hmm. no one else before or since has done. Um, P.G. Wodehouse, in his, like, yeah. Birdie uh, yeah, and Jeeves series, uh, was a huge fan. Birdie grabs every Nero Wolf book as soon as it yeah. arrives on the stands. And there's several books in which he name-drops Nero Wolf stories yeah. as they come out. The thing that surprised me the most was Ian Fleming was a stout fan. Yeah. Yes, he was. I had forgotten this because I've read this book. In On Her Majesty's Secret Service, mm-hmm. when Bond goes in to see M, M is sitting there going, what is the name of that American detective? The one with the orchids. And Bond says, Nero Wolf, sir. And then M goes yeah. on to say how ridiculous the books are. And Bond says, well, I rather like them, sir. So, so we have Bond defending Nero Wolf against like yeah. M. Uh, Fleming was so impressed that he actually talked to, to Stout about doing a team-up between their respective characters. That would have been and He was awesome. probably saying it tongue-in-cheek, but Stout responded that it would never work because Bond would get all the girls that would make Archie jealous. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. A, Archie yeah. would hate, hate James Bond. Yeah. Oh, thank gosh. Uh, yeah, it's Nero Wolf, a fantastic detective. The books are brilliant. If you like murder mysteries, they combine the old-fashioned, like, Agatha Christie style. Like, at one point, Archie literally makes the quip, this is like an Agatha Christie mystery. <laughs> when he's lining up yep. people to go into Wolf's yeah. office, uh, he actually tells the reader how, how much it is like a, yeah. a Hercule Poirot story. Um, they're extremely well-written. Yes. They're, oh, my goodness. Um, he started writing them in the 30s and kept writing until the 70s. Um, and Archie and Nir and Wolf remain exactly the same. Yeah. The world changes around them. They go from talking about the Depression to talking about the Vietnam War. Yeah, they do not age. They never they age. Are, the they world, are all, yeah, but their their world is immutable and unchanging. Yeah. The world moves around them, and they are unchanging. Yeah. The chime does not move in the brownstone. The world outside of the brownstone. Yeah. That's what marches forward. It's so convincing. You feel like it's actually there. I've never gone to West Thirty Fifth Street to look for his brownstone yeah. that I already know doesn't exist. But I remember walking down the street in the middle of Manhattan, seeing a diner and thinking, isn't that where Archie likes to read at? And I immediately thought of that. <laughs> well, it's because, yeah, no, like I said, Archie, some of the things he said, he's just so quick with it. Like yeah. nobody's that quick witted, but just there's something so natural about the characters as well. They feel very they, real. They feel real. Yeah. I feel like even listening to the teleplays, which was amazing. Oh my goodness. Every single fist fight, yeah. you can tell it's just somebody fumbling with a microphone. It's amazing. Um, but even like just listening to those, which you're, you have a real voice, which gives you even more connection. Yeah. It did. It just felt like, Oh, 
I'm just hearing about what these guys did last week. That's so great. You yeah. know, it does. They just, they feel so real and it's because they are so well written and yeah. they are so three dimensional. Absolutely. They're set in their own world, yet they're so yeah. realistic. Oh, yeah. Very good. All right. We'll be back next time. We cover more mysteries. More mysteries. Yes, more mysterious stuff next time. Until then, I have been Ed. I've been Michaela. We'll see you until then. Be safe. Be happy. Be healthy. Bye. Bye. That concludes today's episode of Roadie Radio, featuring a segment from Book Talking with the Woonsocket Harris Public Library. You can find the video recording of today's segment and many more segments at the Woonsocket Harris Public Library's Facebook page, which we've linked to in our show notes. Give them a like and follow along for more deep dives with Ed and Michaela and other staff at the library. As always, thanks for listening to Roadie Radio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear curated content from librarians delivered to you every other Tuesday.